0: David Connor good morning good morning good morning and good morning to all you lovely listeners at home to yet another episode of the podcast that we have humorously and always uproariously entitled David
1: what's that smell you think again
0: that's right how you doing David
1: I'm doing well Connor how you doing
0: I'm good and we are in person again I can yes. see David yes. I could can, I could can, I can touch him if I wanted to yes. I'm not going to because you know social distancing you know, right now <laughs> uh but how's, how's, uh, again, I can't really say yeah, how's the weather, because yeah. we're both in the same place right now, um, but I can say, um, how is your week treating you? How's your summer treating you?
1: Pretty good, pretty good, not gonna lie, you know, I've been working, uh, you know, reading, reading, watching anime.
0: Ah, yes, because he's uh, still a weeb.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, besides that, I mean, pretty, pretty low-key summer. What about yours, Connor?
0: Uh, it's been alright, um, i had some stuff to do for school still, and, um, just been Doing some stuff with friends. Nothing crazy, though. And, of course, you know, coming up here uh, to Wisconsin, we can talk some movies. Sure. Now, we've had a bit of drama with this episode because a lot of stuff came up last minute. I'm trying to make sure we, you know, because last last week we had to cancel because of some personal uh, personal uh, complications. Uh, some, you had some stuff come up. You all saw the baby. Uh, yeah. We had, we actually, we, we found out we had all these kids we had to go own up for. And just real, some real, uh, you know, childcare problems. It was getting real rough. Terrible joke. Moving on. Uh, But this week, we were going to have a a guest on who couldn't make it last minute. So throwing stuff together last minute, we kind of had to pick a topic that admittedly is a little close to what we talked to before. But that being said, we love movies here at What's the Smell You Thinking Again. We love to talk about movies with you guys, and we love to share our opinions on stuff, even if you don't care. So I think it would be a great time to talk about some movies that we feel are a little overlooked because, you know in movie communities even just general communities not every movie can get the time of day they need that they that they deserve you know some movies are really good but get overlooked and just we don't get to talk about them as much so me and David have compiled some movies we feel are not talked about as much and we're going to talk about why we want them to be talked about more you know talk about their their positives and you know what we enjoy about them and all that good stuff so uh, David are you ready
1: I'm ready Connor are you ready
0: I am ready so we're going to be kind of bouncing these back and forth off of one another um we'll just see how long it goes you know sure so david i want to kick things off with you what is your first movie you want to talk about
1: all right Connor. the first thing we want to talk about is i'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it i'm not gonna hype it up i'm just gonna say it star wars rogue one star wars rogue one you think star wars rogue one's underrated i actually do i think that when you think about the star wars films Rogue One typically is not what comes to your mind.
0: I mean... It's funny because it depends on the Star Wars circle. Because, like, you know, Star Wars fans are really crazy, you know? Like, there, there are a lot of facets of them. So, like, some people, like, keep Rogue One as, like, the holy Star Wars movie. Mm. But then other people don't treat it like it even counts, you know? Like, yeah. they, keep, they keep Solo and Rogue One off separate.
1: Well, I'm, so, I'm, I'm talking from, depends. like, your average Star yeah. Wars enthusiast, you I know? I gotcha. Um, like, you know, if, if if you're one of those people that, like... You know, I've seen a couple of Star Wars movies here and there. You know, watch the newer ones because, you know, because of all the hype that was drawn around them. Uh, good chance you watched Rogue One because, you know, it's, it was one of the newer movies, right? Um, but I feel like in comparison to out of all like, the, the new uh, Disney uh, Star Wars films... I definitely think Rogue One is overlooked. I think it's even more overlooked than than Solo. Um, oh, I,
0: yeah, I think Solo is like, people talked about it a little bit more after the fact, because, well, one, it was kind of divisive. Yeah. And two, they could make sequels off it. Like, you can't make a sequel off of Rogue One.
1: Yeah, yeah. and um, and, I, and, I, and I understand why Rogue One isn't really talked about as much, because, you know, what it did is it served a purpose as kind of, bridging a gap between two of the movies, right? And there really isn't much to talk about when it comes to a bridge. You can't build off of that bridge because on the other side of the bridge is the other is the next movie, right? So, yeah, it's
0: like the the next thing you'd want to watch after this is New Hope. Like, yeah. you don't need to make another movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it did indeed serve its purpose, um, but I think that Rogue One, as a standalone film works. It works of its purpose and it's, it's it's a quality film that I think is heavily overlooked. I think that, you know, if you're bored one day, you want to watch uh, a good Star Wars movie, I think Rogue One is definitely one that you, could, you, should, you should definitely check out. You know, I think it has a lot of drama, has a lot of action, you know, has you very invested in these characters that you've really never seen before, right? Um, after one movie. And I think that's you know, that's pretty awesome. I think it's pretty powerful. Um, to say for like uh, a Star a Star Wars franchise. Which is a, a series that we've been following. Kind of the same characters the entire time. With this, you know, it's kind of a, a side plot. You know, it still connects to the rest of the story. But it, it diverges in a way that, that works. And I really like it. So, I think that next time. When you're trying to figure out which Star Wars movie you want to watch. I should definitely... Say, uh, put put Rogue One in the hat.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So real quickly, because um, I know we want to want to help some people who haven't seen it. So for those of you who do not know about this movie, uh, essentially the plot is, as we mentioned, it's a bridge between a couple of movies. Essentially, at the very beginning of a New Hope, the original Star Wars movie, uh, they imply that they that you know the, the rebels have just gotten access to the blueprints for the for the Death Star. Well, this movie essentially covers how they got those plans so it's, it's literally the mission that leads up to the rebels getting the plans for the death star so it literally is movie dlc and I, I i like that i really do think if you're gonna do a kind of movie like that star wars is a great franchise for it it's got a lot of stuff going on a lot of moving parts and a lot of of people really invested in the story so dlc i feel like could totally work for this um me personally i wasn't huge on the movie i enjoy it fine i think it kind of suffers from the same problem that solo had where it had way too many characters and i did not care enough about them to really love it but that being said i think it has some really engaging action scenes i think that was probably the best part of the entire movie is there how fast those action scenes are and absolutely like you said if you're doing a star wars roulette like hey let's watch a star wars movie this is one you should definitely include in there because it has the quintessential fun star wars elements in it and i really i, I enjoy it for that i think it's flawed i think it really has some bad character stuff and i think the second act of that movie is pretty pretty hard to watch and how slow it gets that being said i think the movie does serve its purpose pretty well and you mentioned it's fun Mm. it's a good star wars contender i I agree with you for that um i wouldn't consider it overlooked myself because i guess i'm more i'm more connected star wars people but i do recognize in the common consciousness it is not that high So moving on to my choice. I know I just talked a bunch. I got some more to say. Um, The movie I want to talk about. Oh,
1: sorry about that.
0: It's all good. Uh, The next film I want to talk about is the film uh, Labyrinth, uh, the the Jim Henson classic. Um, I've talked about this one before on our 80s episode, so I will not go crazy into it. Actually, it might have been the 90s episode. I don't remember exactly. Uh, Actually, I think it was 90s. Uh, So Labyrinth is just a delightfully fun movie i love movies that are just a fairy tale and letting you just kind of absorb the fairy tale you know movies kind of like uh movies like time bandits and just like assorted 80s movies 80s and 90s movies had this kind of like fairy tale vibe where just like you got sucked in this world it was a kind of a kid's fantasy style thing and it didn't have a lot of rules it was very Flowing and just very weird and crazy and creepy and strange, and I think, I I think Labyrinth is probably the best example of this because it has so many iconically memorable moments. It's got amazing puppetry. Some of the best puppetry I've seen in a film period. It's got some crazy unique effects, and it's just a very unique film. I think anyone can find something to enjoy about it because it's so weird. You know. Uh, and I love I love David Bowie. like David Bowie just owns the movie with great performance. I love his costume. I love the music. That being said, I get why it's overlooked. I get why people don't look at it. You'll watch it. Like it's so weird. It can get kind of alienating, you know? like yeah. not everyone can sit down and watch something so bizarre and just accept it, you know, Sometimes people are gonna have some questions. And I get that. And I also think in t- you kind of have to be sold on David Bowie's music because he's it's such a strong element. And you gotta be in for the fact that it's so weird. <clears throat> like, not not everyone is gonna be going into this and watching scenes like near the end where David Bowie's dancing with with the Jennifer Connelly in this big wedding gown. You're like, okay, what's going on? You know, like there's a certain le- excuse me, there's a certain level of this that's like a little hard to follow. Yeah. which I get. Uh, I get why it was not super well received when it came out. That being said. I do really recommend it for people who enjoy the strange and the bizarre because it's fun. It's really fun, and it's got a lot of charm in it. You know, it's never it never you know blows its load by being too serious or too weird. I think it walks the line very well. Have you seen it? By any chance? Mm, I oh man, no. It's a classic. I really recommend this one for anybody, especially musical fans. I think this one will definitely scratch the itch for musical fans. What's it called again? A uh, labyrinth. Uh, if y'all like, probably he's gonna looking it up. Maybe he can get me the year. It might be ninety two. Uh, is it ninety two? Um, Eighty six. Eighty six. I knew it was the eighties episode. Crap. But well, regardless, fantastic movie. I love it to death. I will watch it any day, despite the fact that it is not a perfect film. I agree, it is not perfect. Uh, David, what is your next film?
1: All right. So, uh, next film I'm gonna cover is a movie that I recommended in the past before. Um, during the suggestion section. Um, and I think this movie's kind of underrated. Um, it's on Netflix. Um, I, I think, I think it's definitely a hidden gem on there. Uh, it's called American Honey. Mm.
0: Excuse me, sorry. Um, I have not seen this one. So, this one, David, can cover entirely. <laughs> okay,
1: alright. Um, so, from what I remember, um, American, American Honey is, if, if you haven't seen it before, it's at this... Story, story of a, this girl um, Oh
0: crap, I forgot to summarize the Labyrinth, sorry y'all <laughs> Just watch it, it's weird Yeah,
1: about uh, so, so this girl um, Who I believe Is tasked Or I guess, she kind of lives in a, a A lower Socioeconomic location, right And I think she's tasked with um, Either babysitting her younger Siblings, I want to say Or, might be her own kids I'm pretty sure it's younger siblings Um, and she ends up running into, um, this van of these people who kind of live this, uh, vagabond lifestyle who go around.
0: Like a commune?
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. And like, they're in this van and they kind of go around and, um, put flyers and try to raise money, um, for their, for their, I don't know, cause, for their cause, you know? Um, and so she ends up joining it and, um, she's she's kind of conflicted between it, like is this really a lifestyle that i want to live um you know she i really don't have anything else to go back to um so she's really conflicted and she kind of uh faces the the harsh reality of of the world um outside of her uh, own hometown i guess um I think it's a pretty good film. You know me, I'm a sucker for coming-of-age films.
0: Oh, yeah, that definitely sounds coming of age Yeah, Yeah, Uh
1: It's, a, it's definitely a big coming-of-age story. Um, I highly recommend checking it out if you're also a fan of coming-of-age uh, movies. Um, I think how it kind of handles that, um, I guess, late teen, early adulthood kind of coming-of-ageness. Um, I think if you're, like, within that age range, I think you'll really connect this movie quite well Uh, I definitely think it's one of those kind of movies Um, so yeah I highly recommend checking it out American Honey I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix
0: yeah that that reminds me of an interesting topic to just really briefly talk about so a thing with coming of age movies that I wish we talked about in the coming of age episode is this idea that coming of age movies a lot of the time you kind of need that emotional grip of like something that pushes them forward to change and like you were implying with this one, one of the biggest factors is in using, using change to escape the reality. And I, I think there's plenty of films that do that really well. And I really like the sound of this. I, I, I want to check this out. Because there's a lot of movies that can do stuff similar with that. But I feel like I haven't found the true best ones. I know there's a movie out there called The Florida Project, which I hear is a fantastic film that does something similar. But I have yet to see it. So I'm really interested in finding a film like this. Um, movies like Wendy and movies like Sing Street, I think, are two examples that have tried to do something like this. But with Sing Street, it's not focused on enough. It's it's more about the the kids in the band, so it's not necessarily about that. And Wendy is too mis- is too unfocused and pretty bad. So like it, that's not quite the best example either. So I'm really interested in that, like the idea that coming of age is a is essentially something forced upon you because of a because of escapism when your your situation's bad. And it's basically kind of like this survival of the fittest kind of thing. I like that a lot. Uh, another example of that that I think could have done it better was Honey Boy, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, is another example that I feel like could have done it better. It did it well, but I think it could have done it better. So I'm really curious to check this out and see how this balances out.
1: It's really good.
0: Yeah, and I've, I haven't heard much about it either, so I definitely can see that being overlooked. Uh, the next film I want to talk about. I talk a lot. I'm sorry. No worries. No worries.
1: Continue. Okay, Continue. Another
0: one that I want to talk about with you guys is adaptation, the Spike Jones film. Now, this one is not necessarily overlooked because a lot of people have talked about this and a lot of people have appreciated it. But I feel like I feel like with adaptation, I think it's not necessarily that I think it's overlooked, as in people haven't watched it. I think adaptation is a film more people need to. I feel like more people should appreciate for how good it is. I feel like people should rewatch it and go into it a second time. Because adaptation is essentially the story about an author, or not author, I'm sorry, not an author, a screenwriter who is an actual person. Like the guy who wrote it based it on himself. He made the main character himself. And he's struggling to adapt a book into a movie. And um essentially it is and he's played by Nicolas Cage and he struggles with trying to capture the truest you know and most real humanity in his film and he's tr- it's basically he's trying to capture it as raw as possible and as human as possible but people keep resisting it because that sounds boring like you know you, making a, a story about someone so human and so real is boring because it'd just be about a normal guy mm. so it's it's essentially you know this writer trying to come to grips with the fact that he's writing a story that he feels no one wants to hear but he you know he wants to tell and I kind of love that because it's a movie that is essentially about writer's block. And I, I, it's such an interesting idea. And I think it has so much going for it that I think on a first watch, I think could even be lost on the viewer. Like, and I'm not trying to say this as in, oh, wow, you guys are just not smart enough. To go watch it again. What I mean, is like I want if you didn't like truly appreciate if you thought it was just kind of good, I would say just try to give it one more shot. Because it's a really unique film that I think you can't get a hundred percent of right away on the first watch. I think with another watch and being able to absorb it and just kind of understand it better, I think you can. I think there's a lot more to see and a lot more interesting ideas you could pick up from it. Like I love how the ending, kind of without, without spoiling anything, of course, is very very vague and it doesn't tell you a lot. But at the same time, if you understand what. If you understood the kind of dilemma that he was going through, it makes sense. And it's interesting. It gets very meta. And it's interesting because I think on first glance, I, at least I did, when I first watched it, I totally took that as at face value. And I was like, oh, it just, you know, that happened. But as you kind of, you know, as upon rewatching it, you recognize you're like, oh, okay, I see what you're, I see what you're doing there." is There's a lot more being said here. And I think a lot of people either didn't notice that or didn't let it kind of hit. And I, I mean, I suggest it. I mean, I think you guys, are not, I think you guys should give it another chance. That's basically the underappreciated thing here. Yeah. Please just give it another chance. I think it's really solid. Uh, David, you've seen this one, right? Yes. What, what's your yes. thoughts, real briefly?
1: Um, I, I like the movie. Um, I think that it, um, I, I, think, I think, I think, I think of it almost as, okay, so like when I watched this movie, I actually watched it right. After Not right after But like I watched Being John Malkovich And then the next movie I watched Was Adaptation Which
0: makes sense Because the movie Literally the movie begins With him finishing work On Being John Malkovich Yeah It's about the writers
1: Yeah 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 So I almost saw this movie As a, as a sequel To Being John Malkovich Just just in like the way Things lined up uh, For me In my own personal preference Um, And I think that I think that This movie um, Almost I think think it adds a layer To Being John Malkovich I think that not only does it like Work as it's own movie I think that it also um, Brings a new light Or brings a new perspective um, To being John Malkovich in a way Like it doesn't like Enhance the the quality of the film or any like after the film, I just think that if you were to watch being John Malkovich and then adaptation and then watch being John Malkovich again, I think that you could have a deeper appreciation for just the direction and <laughs> process. We're just, maybe. we're
0: just like beating it into you. You're like, okay, you're going to watch being <laughs> John Malkovich, then adaptation, then being John Malkovich and then watch adaptation one more time. We're just, you're <laughs> we're planning out your day.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that you could have a deep appreciation for these two movies um, and just the process uh, it took to really um, make these movies. You know, which, which isn't something that you really see um, from from a <laughs> film. Right? Excuse me. Yeah, you don't necessarily like, see the the process of the director unless there's like some kind of like uh, director talk afterwards yeah. like I
0: guess if you watched uh, Apocalypse Now followed by the documentary about making it that yeah. is apparently I hear is even crazier than the movie. <laughs> the movie the remaking of that movie is insane
1: oh man um, but yeah I, I really like the adaptation um, really solid movie definitely really good really stuff. good good stuff I liked uh, Nicolas Cage's oh yes I love
0: Nicolas. I love when Nicolas Cage goes serious because it's, it's very surreal um, <laughs> but yeah uh, David what's your next movie
1: all right, so my next movie is um, what I think is one of Tarantino's most underrated films. Ooh. Uh, Jackie Brown.
0: Jackie Brown.
1: I definitely think that it's one of the more underrated ones.
0: It's funny because, I, again, I, I, and I have to apologize for this because, I mean granted, we're going to have some conflicting opinions. Right. I think J- Jackie Brown, one of the movies I feel, has been kind of like I've actually been liking less the more I've thought about it. Uh-huh. Not that it's bad just it's it has not stuck um but I'll, I'll, go ahead i want to i want to hear what you said i'm, I'm not trying to disprove no, no, i'm no, just no. saying me yeah. it has not stuck with me yeah go yeah, ahead
1: for sure for sure um so what, when i talk about these movies that i'm watching or that i'm mentioning um i'm not necessarily saying these movies are good or bad definitively i am oh, yeah, saying yeah no, like our respectively. opinions aren't fact yeah no, no 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 okay so what i'm trying to say is that um in comparison to other things, these movies that I am talking about, I think are underrated in what they are going for and provide to the viewer, right?
0: So you think it's like, you think like people aren't appreciating that it's doing what it wants to do. Yeah. Like it's, it's succeeding at what it wants to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Um, because that's, that's kind of what I view as a, a underrated film, you know, a movie that that does succeed in what it's trying to do but people aren't recognizing that you know like that is what i view as underrated not not being a movie that is good and people aren't recognizing how good it is because that's completely subjective right
0: that's that's literally what i just did but no worries. yeah
1: yeah i guess the the round the roundabout way
0: guys adaptation's really good stop saying it's (laughs) not the best spike (laughs) jones movie it's better than her it's better than her
1: okay go ahead (laughs) um so, Jackie Brown. It was a, it was a weird movie. Um, it, 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 isn't, it didn't really feel like a Tarantino movie at first. Um, as it went on, it kind of developed that. But I definitely think it's one of the slower... I
0: feel like the best way to describe it... I mean, granted, David won't be able to re- this is, re- relate to this as much. But it's almost like if Tarantino did a Coen Brothers movie. That's kind of what I feel like the movie is. Uh, granted, people, people hearing this might completely disagree because david can't dispute it because he hasn't Mm. seen enough cohen's but that's how i felt it is
1: interesting interesting uh so yeah i just think that um as a tarantino movie i think that of course it is one um and i I definitely think it does hit its mark um and I, i just don't think enough people are recognizing that i think that in comparison to i guess some of his better works like uh Glorious Bastards, or Pulp Fiction, or Django. Um, I think it's definitely one of those that um, people, in my opinion, aren't aren't really giving it the time of day. Um, I think that really only those who watch this movie. Um, I feel like I think majority are those who are either, you know, big film people. Or, you know, just going on, like, a Tarantino binge. Yeah,
0: or maybe if you, like, if you were around when it came out in theaters. And yeah. Like, yeah it's, it's the guy who did Pulp Fiction, so. Yeah,
1: but, it's, yeah. It's one of those that most people just don't go out of the way to go see, you know. Unlike Pulp Fiction, you know, it's like, it's like oh, you haven't seen Pulp Fiction? No, oh, you gotta watch it now, you know. With Jackie Brown, it's like, oh, you haven't seen Jackie Brown? Oh, you can get around to it whenever, you know. It's not one of those movies that, like, people say or people think that are a must-watch um and and I'm not here saying that Jackie Brown is a must-watch quintessential film. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that as a Tarantino film and for what the themes and what the movie is trying to portray, I think it's a very fun and interesting film for what it is. And I'm saying that like if you're looking for a Tarantino film to watch, I'm saying so similar to Rogue One in a way. Um, definitely, uh, throw Jackie Brown in the ring, um, for this one. Cause I definitely think it's, I think, I don't think it's worth a watch. Um, even if you're not like a big film person or, you know, have any passing, if you have any passing through, I just, think yeah, for sure.
0: I, I do, I do acknowledge, I think it definitely did what it wanted to do it's definitely a weirder one and it's also more it's much more tame in comparison to tarantino's others especially when you look at his newer movies he is much he's much tamer in this but that's not necessarily a problem i think the problem is just it's a very slow movie but that's all right you know what i I, I agree it does what it needs to do and i think it does it very solidly um yeah I, i don't have much to say about it i'm not huge on it but i acknowledge it's definitely doing what it's what it needs to do so uh real quick briefly i will hop on to my next film vo- my uh, my next film so this one is another one i'm gonna feel bad about this one because i just said i think jackie brown gets a little slow but i'm about to talk about to, i'm about to talk about a movie that is the king of slow but it's worth it it's a movie called lock
1: whoa whoa yes. whoa 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 what? What? nothing
0: okay sorry it's yeah so lock it I for, it's I forgot the guy, I forget the guy's name who directed it. Uh he's he is the guy who did the Bumblebee movie, um, I believe. But it's a very slow movie. And it takes place in a car. That's the entire movie. So no, that's not it. It's huh. L-O-C-K-E. Oh. So it stars Tom Hardy, and he's driving a car the entire movie. And the film essentially is a bunch of phone calls he makes where essentially his life is falling apart and he needs to keep it together and what i love about this movie it's not an easy watch because it's very slow even though it's only like 80 something minutes it's very slow uh what make what makes this movie great is it's a awesome and very or not awesome but a very tense and kind of painful look at anxiety does it relieve yeah it no near the end But it's it's a movie about anxiety and pressure. And it's a movie about, like, when everything seems to go wrong and you just need to manage it. It's kind of like watching a car crash. Like, you kind of can't look away because everything just seems to be going wrong and you're seeing him kind of just deal with it. And it's a really inherently relatable feeling because we've all had times where we're overwhelmed with stuff. A lot of stuff's happening and hitting us at once and it's hard to manage. That's what this movie's about. It's about people dealing with the stuff that's hardest when it hits you it's it does not paint anybody as a villain there's no real antagonist he's dealing with real life annoyances like this There's this one guy that he keeps trying to get him to do something for him like he calls him up he's like okay do this for me do this for me and it would make it make his life so much easier but this guy's taking so long to do it that it's not you know it's not helping so he's like okay this guy could really help me if this guy would be done doing the thing he's doing but he's not getting it done and like so there's
1: only like one actor in the film really. Yeah
0: there's, yeah, there's like voices. It's him and a bunch of voices cuz he's on the calls. And like it it gets a lot and it's not necessarily an easy film, but I love it because like there's not a lot of movies that can capture what it truly feels like when everything's swarming and falling on you at once. And I feel like this movie does a really good job of that and it's a really unique film. Like I'm a guy who really appreciates movies that are different and try something unique. And I think this is a great example of that. I believe it's is the director, Travis Knight. Uh, he has, he has a phone. I'm using my phone to record. Um, I believe is it Travis, Stephen Knight. Stephen Knight. Gosh, dang it. Well, no worries. Uh, well, really great film. Tom Hardy is great. He does his British accent in it, which is nice. <laughs> Cause you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't usually get to use that, but it's a really unique film. And I think if, if you're, if you're a little apprehensive, I do admit it's definitely one you need to be in a better mood for, because it's a mood killer. But it's very solid, I think it's a unique film, and I think it's overlooked because I feel like more people could be sitting here and appreciating it and I think well, granted it's not very accessible but it's very it's very unique, and I enjoy it a lot sure um, I don't think David's seen it no, but yeah, it's unique um it's it reminds me i feel like if you like uncut gems this will this will scratch a very similar itch. It's definitely different like it's not similar at all, but I think the general stress and kind of like things going wrong and you're trying to like piece it together hopefully that he'll you know he'll end up okay I think it has that very similar kind of vibe I I enjoy it a lot Sure, sure uh David what is your next film
1: next film is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl
0: yes uh this one yeah this one's directed by uh his name is um crap it's um Gomez Rejon is his last two uh his last two names he's got three um gomez Rejon. uh but uh, there's more names to it Path
1: Path the nacho
0: regardless 2015
1: go ahead okay. uh me and earl and the dying girl so
0: one of the best movies from 2015 2015 was a
1: slow year <laughs> uh so connor and i actually watched a movie together um yeah i really did enjoy this film it was
0: as you can guess it's about me and Earl, and a dying girl. So, you know, like, fault in our stars, but, you know, good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, B is the main character, Earl is his best friend, and Dying Girl is a dying girl.
0: Wow, you're really doing a great job summarizing this plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, come on, me and Earl and the Dying Girl. That's the plot in the name. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, like,
0: it's like marriage story. I wonder if it'll be about a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and Dying Girl, it's, um, I think that among all the, uh, it definitely is a coming of age story. Yeah, like
0: the high school drama based on a book coming of age movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think out of all of those kind of movies, I think this is definitely one of the better ones. Um, just how they set up the characters and how they kind of set the characters to be, um, I do wish that, um, Earl played a bigger part. Yeah. It, it Earl was more, is
0: really funny in the movie. Yeah. Like I rewatched it. I did not realize how funny he is. He's great. <laughs>
1: it, it's mostly, uh, me and dying girl. Uh,
0: it, th- they could have called it me and dying girl and maybe a little bit of Greg. <laughs> that could have been the name.
1: Yeah. Um, I wish it was more Earl. Uh, sadly there wasn't. Um, but I think that just how they portrayed the characters and, where the story was going, it was a lot of fun, and it was very interesting to watch. You know, I think it's definitely um out of all the coming of age films that I've seen, I think it's definitely one of the better ones. Um, and I've seen a lot.
0: Well, why? Why do you? Why do you think it's one of the better ones? What does it do?
1: Um, Well it's it's been it's been about a year since I've seen it actually. Well, I
0: know, but like, what what? stands out about it like you've you remember it like something has to stick out in your brain so yeah, what I, sticks out I
1: I, I don't what's the main character's name again
0: the main character's name is Greg
1: Greg okay Um, I Greg and the dying girls relationship I think that stuck out to me the most Um, just how I guess supportive um, he was I, I feel like Greg as a character is very relatable Um, because I feel like
0: they have a very they have like a very non-romantic rapport which is yeah. kind of funny like they treat it like it could be a romance, but it's they do not have romantic rapport. It's yeah. very funny. It's yeah. a very unique kind of relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like Greg could be any of us. Um I just feel like Greg is someone that we can definitely put our shoes in. Um I like the direction they take instead of taking like a romantic approach, they take more of a platonic, um friends only approach, which I think is definitely interesting. It's something that you don't really see uh, very often in coming-of-age films because typically
0: especially coming off of like you know fault in our stars where that was totally that mm-hmm. and like you know that became such a huge genre thing yeah like the fact that they restrained it i think was a really unique thing. i mean that that is the, what the book does but i feel like doing a movie based off that and keeping that aspect was a good call
1: yeah yeah really like uh the the turns that it takes um with this movie um so i just think it's very unique uh for for, for what it is for what kind of movie it is um i definitely think that um if, if you're going for that kind of teen romance but with no romance kind of film i definitely recommend watching me and the dying girl mm-hmm. um we had to rent it so i don't think it's on any streaming services
0: it, it's not at the moment actually i didn't rent it i, I have it on blu-ray oh, okay. um but yeah you're right. Oh, that's it's not, right it's not on any services at the moment yeah but that being said really solid movie um, I won't talk about it too much but very good movie uh, very sweet uh, very grounded and I think does a great job of portraying you know real life high schoolers it's very very well done like that speaking of real life high schoolers I'm gonna keep going with this transition because I'm amazing at transitions oh. I want to talk about Edge of 17 oh. Edge of 17 oh. Jesus <laughs> come on let's let's be a respectable oh. podcast hosts here oh, my Uh Edge of Seventeen, I think, is crazy overlooked because one, it does totally fit in with a lot of the other um, high school coming of age movies. It fits in with the same kind of thing. It even has a lot of the same tropes. You know, it's got like it's got like the the super chill teacher he talks that they talk to. It's got teen angst. It's got like the best best friend from breaking up. You know, it's got it's got a lot of the tropes. It's even got like the the, the dude crush that everyone loves, the and it's super perfect. Crush. I I acknowledge that it is. Definitely has a lot of the same tropes, but Edge of Seventeen does some really unique things, and it all comes down to Haley Steinfeld. I think she is beyond great in this movie. She's uh, a good singer. Yeah, she's also a singer, and she's also Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series, and it's gonna be very exciting. But she is fantastic here because I I just love how fed up she is with everyone because that's totally what high schoolers are. Like the thing with high schoolers is they're at such a point in their life where they're they kind of point fingers at everyone else because they don't really know what kind of person they are. And that's totally the vibe I get from her in this movie. Like, she is so fed up with everyone else. Like, she thinks she is. She knows everything she needs to know except herself. And there's just so much pent-up aggression and, like, the snarkiness and, you know, just craftiness in her that I love. She's so absorbing to watch. And it's just very unique amongst these movies because, like, even movies I really love... Like Lady Bird, and even me and her own dying girl, I think while they capture something real, I don't think they capture it in they capture it in a more idealized way, not super idealized, but more idealized mm-hmm. I think with I just 17, it hits you with this really weirdly uncomfortably real vibe with her where she's she makes a ton of mistakes, she is not she does not know herself at all. A lot of the stuff she wants ends up being stuff she doesn't want. she's losing it and what i love about this movie is they that's the point the movie goes through it's you know the events of the plot with her you know kind of being very flip-floppy on her personality and the movie kind of comes crashing down on her when she realizes that she doesn't know herself and she's getting tired of you know not knowing that and dealing with a lot of pent-up aggression and anxiety because you know she doesn't ever address her problems because she's too busy you know thinking she's got everything else down pat sure it's unique and it's really funny. Like I love Woody Harrelson as the teacher here. They have great rapport with her. And it's just a really engaging and really unique film that I think touches on real life high schoolers in a way that not a lot of movies do. Uh and I think it is one of the best high school dramas and high school uh, coming of age movies. And I highly recommend it. Like it's really unique and I think it's really overlooked too. Uh it's so overlooked. That I don't even know the director. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I highly recommend it. Um, David, do you have any thoughts on it?
1: Uh, I think I think you'd everything. I don't know what else to say.
0: Uh, well, very good movie. Uh, David's seen it, too. I've seen it. Um, I, I would summarize the plot, but, you know, it's a high school coming-of-age movie. It does not have a big plot. Um, but, yeah. Uh, David, do you have another movie? Uh, Yeah, I do. Very good. Please spill the beans. Chicken Little. Chicken Little.
1: Now, Chicken Little... You've you probably all heard of Chicken Little. The later.
0: Disney movie from, what, 2003?
1: I think a little bit later. Or 2000,
0: no, 2005. You're right, 2005. Yeah.
1: Um, I think, okay, so, like...
0: Yeah, I'm gonna Google, but, I'm gonna Google it on your phone while you wait.
1: During this time, um, Chicken Little was, um... Okay, so, like, I was time of Disney's kind of, uh, move to, uh, CGI. Um. I'm just gonna, yeah, I gonna Google it. Don't worries. Uh... In of CGI, um, and it was in their early days. So back then, their CGI wasn't the best.
0: Let's go, two thousand five. Two yeah. thousand five. I'm very smart. Yep. Okay. Cool. I'll keep Google out just in case we need it. Okay.
1: Um. So, it. it yeah. Like I said, it was in the time when CGI wasn't the best.
0: This was like their second. This was Disney's second CG fully CGI film after Dinosaur.
1: Yeah. Um. And I think that among. Okay, so I think I think just think that period, that Disney period, I think that unless you were raised on these movies, I think that they don't really resonate with anyone. Oh
0: yeah. I think two thousand after Lilo and Stitch, everything after Lilo and Stitch, but before Princess and the Frog, I think is just complete waste of space. Yeah. I, I've see I grew up on these movies. I I have a soft spot for a lot of these movies. But let's get real it don't look me in the eye and tell me that meet the robinsons bolt uh brother bear chicken little uh home on the range uh dinosaur and uh freaking treasure planet Ooh. look me in the eyes and tell me those are good movies Try
1: atlantis
0: atlantis came out in like in 2000 so mm. it does not quite get the cutoff okay um me, i'm gonna check that too but uh yeah. i'm pretty sure it doesn't meet the cutoff but don't look look me in the eyes and tell me those are good movies no no. The wild dude, come on!
1: <laughs> I forgot, I forgot that existed. Oh my god! Um, I yeah the oh Two thousand
0: one, yeah, two thousand one, even closer to the cutoff. But yeah, Atlantis is really good. Yeah, uh, but anyways, go ahead.
1: Um, so like, okay, Chicken Little. I think that among all of them, I think that I don't know. I I just have a really soft spot for Chicken Little. Um. I really like it. I think that I could I could just go back and watch it and enjoy it as many times as possible, or as like ever since the first time. Um, I I don't know. I just I really like the humor, the sense the sense of humor the movie has, and just you know even though the animation of the movie isn't great. Um, I I still I still really enjoy it. I still get a kick out of it. Um, it you don't know,
0: you don't feel it's too mean spirited. Mm -hmm. like people have kind of the biggest complaint about the movie is that it's really mean like the characters are absurdly mean to chicken little for like no reason it's like who be Halloween like (laughs) everyone just hates chicken little for like no reason and then like the entire plot is centered around making him look like an idiot so like you don't you don't believe that's a little too mean
1: yes the characters are mean to chicken little I don't know I kind of just overlook it i do not really think much of it Granted,
0: uh, it is a joke. Yeah, I mean, granted, you know, comedic comedic tastes are always different. But like, I think when characters are truly mean, and I guess it, there's an extent to it. I feel like there's a certain amount you kind of have to accept because it's a comedy.
1: I mean, yeah, clearly, clearly they were joking. I mean, they made it. They made a movie off of his his, his incident.
0: Yeah, granted. Yeah, they get a little big. Also, I feel bad because I don't like Hoobie Halloween at all, and I mm-hmm. think Hoobie Halloween's biggest fault is that the town is so mean. But I, I can't necessarily defend Chicken Little with that, and then defend then not say that, or then say that Hooby Halloween doesn't do that. Sure. But you know what? We're not here to talk about Hooby Halloween. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. Screw uh, that movie. Yeah, I, I think that if you haven't seen Chicken Little, I'd definitely say give it a watch. If you have, um, and and you're not really a fan of it, I'd definitely say give another watch again. Um, I definitely think that if if you if you go with it, if you go into it with a positive mindset,
0: They're like, "Hey, it's silly, but you know, it's it's silly good."
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that you can definitely get some enjoyment out of it. I just think that like it, it's really only the people that were raised on it can really like truly appreciate these kind of movies Um, because you know when we were kids we used to think these movies were amazing, right? <laughs> Um, you've seen a peak cinema, you know? Yeah,
0: right. It's like, this is the, this is the height of luxury. That kind <laughs> of
1: thing. Yeah, right, right. Um, but as we've aged, we realize that, hey, these aren't peak cinema. They're not even close. Right. Um, so I, I definitely think that if we're going past, you know, old Disney movies, tapping into Chicken Little, I, I definitely say, uh, give it a watch. Um, yeah, I recommend checking out Chicken Little.
0: For sure, for sure yeah good movie um well actually no it's not a good movie uh i don't like chicken little that much but <laughs> i acknowledge i acknowledge that i was raised on it so i'm gonna have a little bit more bias so it's one of those things where i think it's bad i think it's a very bad movie but i'll i acknowledge it's fun i, I have fun with it um so another uh hopping to another movie that i think is a little overlooked uh let's talk about heather's Heathers is weird because technically it's not that, over, uh, that not that overlooked because it's pretty popular. Like it is a pretty popular franchise, but I'm here to talk about it because I think it's overlooked because it is popular. Sure. I think it's so popular that people have been turning away from the movie. When I think Heathers has a really dark sense of humor that I think is pretty unique for this kind of movie. And I think that, i think that people have been turning on it so quickly because they're so against the popularity of it that i think they they kind of miss out on some really fun dark humor Uh, essentially the plot of heathers if you don't know essentially this girl who's kind of trying to you know assimilate into the popular group she's trying her best you know to kind of just be popular and you know what, what everybody else wants ends up murdering by accident one of the popular girls uh I mean, she grants she was kind of turning against them after a while. She was assimilating, but at the same time, she's kind of recognizes they're all tools. So yep. she ends up murdering one of them, and then as time goes on, she kind of realizes that she kind of starts to kind of kill off all of them. And it's this weird kind of satire on high school, like on the high school system, where essentially it's point it's making fun of the fact that high school will essentially manipulate any sort of student to do what they want them to while not acknowledging real problems that the high schoolers are going through. And it's it's really unique, and it's really funny. Like, I love, I believe it's James Slater is the actor. I might be wrong, but um, essentially, he's really great in it. It's kind of like devil-on-your-shoulder character. He's really fun. And Winona Ryder is great in the movie. I think their rapport is probably one of the best parts of it because they have this kind of, like, criminal and, like, they they both are kind of criminals they have this very dark mentality and like this weird angst to them and i love it there's so many great quotable lines here it's very it's very like it knows how dark it is it's not like mean and it's not like gross it's very enjoyably dark and i think people kind of overlook it because they think it's so popular and therefore it doesn't have as much value but i think it's really worth watching because it's it's very uniquely fun kind of similar to something like something like uh like um what's it called uh uh Sweeney Todd so Sweeney Todd's another example of a movie that kind of got a little bit blown up but thing with Sweeney Todd is it's a fun dark sense of humor and I think it's it's a similar appeal to Heather's except Heather's has a little more commentary to it like both of them I think are really fun dark movies that take advantage of their premise and I think Heather's specifically is a little over overlooked or at the very least underappreciated and I highly recommend it for those who haven't checked it out because it's so weird and dark and it's different than a lot of films out there. I really recommend it. Uh, David, what uh, do you, you haven't checked out Heather's yet, have you? No. Well, check it out. It's good, and it's a coming of age movie technically. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, go ahead. All right. So the last movie I'm going to be going over.
0: Yeah, I'll go over one more after this. Just to, well, we'll see. Well, have how much time we got?
1: Right. Last movie I want to go over is kind uh, a movie that I saw with Connor. Um, it has uh, a Quevillabudub Wallace. It's not Annie. It's not, it's not
0: Quevin, Annie. Quevin Wallace or something. Yes. I, no one knows what Wallace is. <laughs> like, we made that up because when we were kids, we could not pronounce her name. Because David loved of Annie so much. So, um, we decided to call her Quevillabudub Wallace. Even though her name is Quevinshane. But go ahead. Or Shane. I'm not sure.
1: Something like that. Yeah. It's the Beast Sicilian Wild.
0: Yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar for this, so it's definitely not, like... It's definitely been heard of.
1: It's been heard of, but yeah. ever since then, I don't think people... Yeah, nobody really...
0: talks about it after that.
1: Like. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't gotten much recognition in modern day. Um, and I, I thought I thought it was a really good movie. I think that the themes that we're trying, they were trying to portray are very prevalent. Actually,
0: very similar to what we were talking about with, with American Honey. Yeah. Like, the same kind of escapism kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the the themes they're trying the movie is trying to portray um I think are kind of prevalent today um and like kind of said the, the escapism element to it uh i, I think that it's i think it 's definitely a relatable aspect to the film that I think uh definitely plays in its favor um and I think that it just uh brings out what the movie is trying to say um about about society and um if i remember correctly it it was a movie about um you know it was like her her hometown is like being flooded
0: yeah like uh it's kind of like one of those like uh those southern like a river towns where like it's very low income but like they're very closely knit community like it's very very low income um like there's not a lot of uh economy there um but they're like you know it's it's a very uh close area and you know they're very connected with nature and each other yeah and dad dies her dad dies she lives with her dad and the dad dies so she ends up living on her own and you know living on this boat and then the area gets flooded yeah and the flooding causes a lot of people to move out and into city and that's kind of the plot
1: yeah 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 um which i think is i think is not not only is it a great coming of age film, but I think it kind of says a lot about um, you know climate change and uh, how how we kind of I guess are, are treating our planet in a way. It's, um,
0: it's it has it has a lot to say. It's weird because like it's a movie that like it I my my biggest problem is I think the movie is so vague with its imagery that it could kind of be talking about anything. And it doesn't really commit to anything. So you're kind of sitting there going, okay, what does that mean? Like, the movie, there's this boar that's chasing her the entire time. Yeah. Like, it's in the distance, and it's never quite focused on. At the very end, it shows itself. And I'm not going to spoil what happens, but, like, when, when it finally reveals it, you're kind of like, wait, so what does that mean? Like, what what did that imply? What was that representing? Yeah. And, like, you're not even sure the movie really knows because, like, it doesn't really definitively answer anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think the movie's a little up its own, but...
1: Yeah, I think it's very ambiguous with uh, what it's trying to portray, but I think it's a very solid film, and I think it should be uh, checked out.
0: Yeah, um, I, I like it. Um, the, the thing is, I've noticed this director. I've watched The movie, the movie <laughs> Wendy, I mentioned earlier, was also directed by him. Uh, and it's a movie, the, the director clearly very much enjoys telling movies about children's imagination in the face of you know, adversity and essentially how imagination can save people in truly desperate situations kind of like i were talking about with the coming of age thing sure. but uh i i do think uh beasts of the southern wild is far more superior to wendy because wendy seems very unfocused and does not know what it wants to do but this one is more focused because it's definitely about like the kind of the idea of transitioning and like as it kind of it's coming up with a coming of age thing as as you're growing up and as things change you're essentially put in the situation of do you want to abandon your your previous uh, co- concepts of reality or embrace change and it's it's very kind of on the nose about it in some regards and I, what I like about this movie is it treats it treats kind of that imagination aspect is pretty important to the movie so it gives it a unique edge it does it this movie is not crazy unique in terms of story but i think the unique edge on this theme is unique and it's cool and it's different and it's cute you know the movie is a very cute movie and it's not super it's not a big downer and it's just it's chill it's a unique kind of movie and like this the beasts of the southern wilds thing the southern part is also there because you get a lot of that sense of community and a very it's a very you know louisiana vibe in a lot of parts and i like it it's a very relaxed movie and i i think i get why it's over i get why it's not super well well loved because it's so vague and ambiguous and a lot of people can watch that and go oh the movie the movie's super smart and doesn't want us to understand you know it's one of those movies that thinks it's so cool and amazing and you're not that cool and amazing but i think it does a good job and i think i think it's so unique and well portrayed that i think it's worth the watch um i i I would have probably included this too but i don't i don't love it enough to truly uh include it um want to do one more
1: uh if you want to
0: all right i will very briefly talk about one more um let's talk about cartoon saloon no i'm just kidding i talk about cartoon saloon a lot um i will be nice and not do cartoon saloon um though i highly recommend all their movies breadwinner wolf walkers secret of kells songless sea all fantastic animated films that definitely need more appreciation but i want to talk about a movie that i think it's over it's very much overlooked but at the same time i think hang on let let me get the just check something real quick yeah it's overlooked but it's not necessarily because of any particular reason well and anything particularly strong reason it's simply just because the director was not well known yet and I think she's recently had a bigger splash, so I think her movie's getting resurfaced, but I highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out. The movie's called The Rider. Uh, it's directed by the person who directed Nomad Land and is going to direct Eternals, Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Uh, the Rider is about a horse rider who he ends up getting a traumatic brain injury during this horse. She was like a bucking bronco rider. He ends up hitting, getting this traumatic brain injury where his arm tenses up and paralyzes at, a- at any point. You know, he doesn't know when it's going to happen. And essentially, he has to deal with the fact that his entire lifestyle has been uprooted. Now, granted, this has been done before. That's a, that's a thing, you know? Yeah. People who are passionate about something and their life being uprooted has, has happened. Very recently with Sound of Metal. That's exactly the plot of that. But what the rider does is really unique. It, instead of focusing on his life changing and you know him being sad that he can't ride anymore, he sees it as kind of a, an attack against his masculinity. Once he lost his his riding, he felt like he wasn't man enough anymore. And he's lost a chunk of himself that made, that defined him. And I love that aspect. That single concept changes the plot's meaning a lot. So it becomes less about, you know, someone who can't do what they love and becomes someone who loses what they thought defined them and then has struggling and trying to figure out what else that could be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... He, he spends a lot of the movie not necessarily, you know, whining and being sad and, you know, recognizing that, like, oh, my life is over. What can I do now? He spends a lot of the movie kind of in the middle road, like, where he'll kind of ride, st- he'll ride a little bit against the w- wishes of the doctor, but he kind of resists against it. He has a lot of, like, you could tell, like, the way that they show the scenes, there's a lot of personal da- of baggage that he's carrying. And not sharing. Because he, that's like kind of like I said. The attack against his masculinity. And a lot of his friends keep pushing him forward. Because they're saying like come on. This is this is what you do you know. This is what we do. And it's really unique. Because like that's such a unique perspective on it. Like I love how raw and emotional that is. And like it feels very human. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of unique aspects of this movie. That are just uh, alongside it too. Like there's unique bits and pieces here and there like his sister has um a mental issue and it's not a big part of the story it's literally just his sister has his mental issue and they talk like it's just another character it's interesting because it's it's almost as if you get a look into his life and it's not super you know dramatic or part of the story it's just his life and there's a lot of moments that i think tell you not and they don't tell you enough and you're sitting there going well okay what was the point of that but you realize it's like it's a movie about life and about people, you know? So like a lot of the stuff in the movie feels like that. It feels like people doing stuff. And it really adds to the authenticity of the movie. And I really enjoy it. I love Chloe Zhao's work because she is so human. She is a perfect way to like capture emotion and passion and you, that your whole thing. She does a great job of, of capturing that. And she did a great job with this movie also no actors in the movie they're all real people like these are these aren't actors they're actually the people like mm-hmm. they they're just g- genuinely the people like the characters their character's name is them, and it's unique it's really well done um i highly recommend it if you check it out uh if you're looking for something artsier, here um but yeah it's really good so that's my overlooks um movies how you doing man good good all right i think it's about time we hop into some suggestions <clears throat> sure. and talk about what exactly we want you guys to watch all right, Dave, how many you got? I got three. All right, I... Oh, hey, three? Yeah, three. That's impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: proud of you. All right, uh, uh, s- jump into your three.
1: All right, so I've had a lot of time on my hands this, this week because, you know, it's summer and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've been, you know, watching a lot of shows and um, just, like, dropped a couple, stayed with a few. Um, so one movie, the one movie I watched this week... Um, I watched it a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, I was going to talk about it last week on the podcast, but I wasn't able to. So I'm going to talk about it this week. Connor mentioned it a couple times. Mitchell's versus the Machines.
0: Yeah, Mitchell's versus the Machines. I, really,
1: I really enjoyed this movie. I really did. It was, a, it was a solid, you know, family film that I think that can be enjoyed by anyone. You know, I, I really like the... I like all the characters. They're all unique. They're all funny oh um, it's
0: funny i love the thing is e- yeah you mentioned each character is super distinct and that's something that's so overlooked like family movies always have like three good characters and then one completely useless character yeah like they're not funny they're just there yeah like and it's usually the mom character like yeah. mom will just be there you know or even the dad character depending on the plot like They'll always have that one character who just does nothing, but all four of the characters are like super unique yeah. in this, and they're really funny. I love yeah,
1: them. all four, I think, get a good amount of screen time. I, I wish the brother got a bit more screen time.
0: That's true, but only because he was so funny.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> um, but uh, but I think that all the characters um, got got enough screen time, and I I think it was a uh, think is adequate. Um, but yeah, I really I really like the theme of the movie. Um, It is a coming of age film. It's about a girl who's going off to college, Um, you know, robot apocalypse going on, uh, road trip, uh, dad and daughter conflict. Um, Dad wants uh, kind of like goofy
0: movie in a way almost. Emotion, anger, frustration, fear, you know. Yeah, that's the line from Chicken Little.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's almost like goofy movie but with like a robot apocalypse.
0: Bam, bits of emotion flying everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in the entire family oh, oh goofy movie's only
0: Yeah, goofy movie's two, so- they doubled the cast. Yeah,
1: but- yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's almost like Goofy Movie plus Apocalypse. Um and and I think that it's really nice to see a movie like this. Um, I think that um I think it's another dub for Sony. Um yeah. I, I definitely think that
0: after Spider-Verse but forgiving you for Emoji movie. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um I think that if they if they were to just come out with more movies like Spider-Verse and Mitchell Machines, um I definitely think that Sony does have a future. I think it's definitely could, that,
0: there's that new one on Netflix, Wish Dragon. Which I haven't heard if that's any good. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I've heard of that too. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't know if it's good or not, but that's that's also Sony, so who knows? Maybe yeah. there's another. Maybe there's another one that we'll talk about next week. It's a banger.
1: Maybe, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that if if Sony could definitely be coming out with more big titles like this, think I think it definitely rival the likes of Disney in in quality films. Um, and that's awesome um i definitely think that this movie does not need a sequel how they ended it doesn't really seem like there could be or would be a sequel i
0: have not heard any word about a sequel but who knows uh,
1: i think i think you wrapped everything up nicely um oh one thing i want to talk about so it is canon that the the main daughter is lesbian
0: yeah that was that was exactly at the end they acknowledged yeah, yeah yeah which granted could you have guessed that yeah but, like, still.
1: But, like, I liked how they handled it in the movie. Like, it wasn't a... Uh, oh, yeah, not a big thing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: the fact that, like, they didn't, you know, uprightly say, yeah, I'm a proud lesbian, and then, like, have it just be that one thing she said and have it linger over the entire movie. Yeah. Like, I get that. I get that, that like, I, I get that they, why they didn't do that. That's a smart move. A lot of, mov- a lot of you know, movies and shows will, like, throw a character in and then just keep acknowledging it. Yeah, yeah. And well, I acknowledge, acknowledge it's important to have characters like that, Throwing it in your face for like no reason, this mm. gets old. So I like that they made a character who it's a part of her character, mm. but it's not, you know, huge. It's not the point of the, yeah. the movie.
1: Yeah, I I think they handled it well. You know, with things like this, um, they can definitely just overdo it. You know, I talked about this problem before. Um, when they add in things like this, um, they could just they just overdo it and they ruin it. Yeah. With this, it's like, okay, it's a part of her character. Um, it's like, it's like, it's like having someone, like, kind of, we're talking about this today. Um, like, okay, you're, you're gay. Okay, good for you. You know, it's not, it's not.
0: Yeah, but like, what's your personality? Yeah, what's it's like. character type? It's like,
1: like, like, that's really not something that defines a person, you know? Um. Yeah, so it's
0: cool to see a character that doesn't
1: work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a character that, you know, her, her whole thing is not being gay, you know? Her, part of her, per, like, her, the main thing of personality is. She's a big movie buff, you know? Like, that is a big part of her character, you know? And that's that's awesome. That's something that, you know, we don't really see a lot, you know? A female character is a big movie buff.
0: Especially, like, the the gay bestie trope. Yeah. Like, Another one that's really irritating. Like, they're literally purpose, their whole purpose is to be a bestie and be gay. That's, like, a, totally a trope. And, like, I love that, like you mentioned, that, like, she's a film buff. There's more to her. She's actually a person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also,
0: I. By the way, before I mentioned, I said uh, you could have guessed that about her character. I'm not. I'm not trying to enforce stereotypes. I mean, in the very beginning of the movie, she goes, "It took me a long time to discover myself." Like she literally says that at the very beginning of the movie. Like yeah. that's that's what I meant by that. I wasn't implying a, like a stereotype or something.
1: Sure, sure. Um. So besides all that, really good movie. Highly recommend checking it out. Something that you can watch with the fam. With, yeah, actually, with the
0: family is probably best. Yeah. It's yeah. a good family bonding. Movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you can watch it by yourself. Or with the boys. With or with the, the boys. Or with the girls. Yeah, anything's anything's girls. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Good quality movie. Good movie. Right. Also,
0: weird Furby comeback recently with Uncut Gems and this. Like, Furbies weird. are really popping off.
1: That's weird. All right. So, <clears throat> second thing I want to recommend. So, <clears throat> uh, it's an it's a anime that I ended up. Uh, Ugh.
0: Anime again. Know, well, excuse me I whilst I, I use the bathroom I while know. you talk more about anime. All
1: right, so uh, this is a series I've talked about before, Connor. Before you leave, I want to tell you the series Jujutsu Kaisen. Nice. So I'm talking about that. Demon fingers. Woo! Yes, yes, yes. Um, so let me let me first give you a quick synopsis of what Jujutsu Kaisen is about. If if you didn't listen to uh, me talk about it before, so Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh okay so the, okay let me first talk about the reason why I am talking about Jujutsu Kaisen again um it is because I decided to take up the manga of the series you know I really enjoyed the series um and I was like you know what I really want to start Jujutsu Kaisen um I really liked it you know it, it's it's a fairly new series actually um came out in 2018 um and the anime didn't come out until like, late 2020. Um, so that means that between the debut of the manga and the debut of the anime was, like, a span of two years, which is insane because I don't think I've ever heard of a series that got an anime adaptation so fast like Jisuke Kaisen did. Um, that means that the studio that took up *Anime Jutsu Kaisen had that much hope in the series that they decided to take it up so early.
0: I'm back, by the way. Cool, cool, cool. I'm sure whatever David said is true.
1: Yeah. Um, So the anime season one finished uh, fairly recently, uh, like January this year, I think. Uh, It ran from like October to January. First season, so I decided to read the manga of it. Um, I'm nearly caught up. Um, so, one thing I want to talk about is, if, if you're considering taking up Jujutsu Kaisen, um, I'd say, read chapter zero of the manga. Alright, now the reason I'm telling you this is because there are plot points that come up later in the current arcs right now of Jujutsu Kaisen that I think are relevant. Um, so... If you're watching the first season, um, chapter zero isn't really relevant. I think that the characters that are in it aren't really relevant, but I think that later on, you definitely thank yourself for reading that first chapter, um, because things make a lot more sense. Uh, That was a mistake that I made. You know, I was reading the recent chapters, and they answered his character, and everyone recognized him, and I was like, who the heck is this guy? Um so I went back and read Chapter 0 and I was like, "Oh, that's who he is." So, well,
0: maybe they feel like Strike One was calling a Chapter 0. That was that's how we got to this point, you know.
1: Yeah, it, like the thing is like they didn't include Chapter 0 in the anime.
0: Gotcha. So, well, that's going to get kind of problematic in the adaptation process.
1: It's yeah. like, "Wait a minute,
0: wait a minute, we didn't adapt 0, oh, crap." So, go back. I
1: I think they're going to actually make a movie of cuz Chapter 0 is actually quite long.
0: Oh, oh um, they do like an anime movie type thing? Yeah, yeah. But well, usually those aren't canon, though, aren't they?
1: Um, Yes, they are. Like, Demon Slayer was canon. It was, what, actually, it? Oh, it was well. actually kind of like I guess
0: next, I'm, maybe I'm used to like the Dragon Ball Z type thing where like every movie is not canon. Yeah, so, yeah. My bad. Um, I'm not an anime guy, so no, I no talk, no 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 I'm is. literally talking out of my butt right now. Yeah,
1: D- Demon Slayer is actually kind of the second season of Demon Slayer. So when the anime of Demon Slayer starts up again, it's going to take place after the movie. Huh um so you actually have to watch movie before you watch the next season <laughs> which is kind of well granted
0: weird. i mean he did come out before the next season so at least there's that yeah at least it's one of those things where it's like okay you got like three seasons and everybody's like wait a minute what happened to season three and then they released the movie afterward that give you context for season three yeah, yeah so, that could be bad yeah that's not based off of an actual thing i just thought it off the top of my head
1: yeah, yeah for sure for sure um so back, back to jutsu kaisen uh read chapter zero first before you actually uh read the anime you don't have to but i highly recommend doing it if you Plan to read the manga later on, or just later on in general, because there are plot points that come back that I definitely think you should get to have things make more sense. So, if you didn't listen to the previous podcast about me talking about jiu Kaisen, it is about... Um,
0: Holy crap, you haven't gotten to talking about jiu Kaisen yet?
1: I was, I, I've been setting it up.
0: Holy crap. Um, Alright, the, the, the listeners are either bored out of their mind or surprised <laughs> you're still talking. Holy crap.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'm trying to make this brief. So Jujutsu Kaisen, it takes place in a world similar to our own. Um, it actually, it's placed in 2018 when the manga actually started. Wah, wah. Um, and so, like I said, but imagine it like, so there are things called cursed spirits, right? And cursed spirits come from negative energy and negative emotions like fear, frustration, stuff like that, anxiety. That leaks out of human bodies, right? And those create curses, right? And curse. Jujutsu Sorcerer is supposed to exercise these spirits, right? And Jujutsu sorcerers is actually used um, controlled cursed energy to fight against um, these cursed spirits, right? That's kind of the premise of the series. Um, the main character's name is uh, Yuji Itadori. Um He's, you know, your typical high school kid, um, but ends up accidentally eating a uh, finger of the most powerful um, cursed spirit. All I time. have no
0: clue how that happens. I still can't figure it out. See like, sitting there and saw something on the ground? Like, well, this looks uh, kind of delicious. No, no, no. Okay,
1: so, like, a cursed spirit is attacking his school, right? And it was trying to go for one of the fingers of Sukuna, which is the demon king, or, like, the cursed king, or whatever. Um, and Yuji had it, right? He had in his hand. He's trying to keep it away from the uh, cursed spirit, right? And um, he ends up getting captured by the cursed spirit and... Um, he didn't want to throw it because he felt like he wouldn't be able to retrieve it. So he felt like the only option he had. Oh, like was cartoon the,
0: logic kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah, keeping yeah, keep it his mouth, right? Sure.
1: But ended up swallowing it and he ended up uh, having Sukuna.
0: I was going to say, like, that's kind of, it's not realistic. Then I realized they did it in a DC movie with Birds of Prey. So that's exactly, that's the whole point of the Birds of Prey movie. But yeah, he
1: ends up eating it. Um, And then he ends up having the demon inside of him and um, Gojo, the most powerful uh, Jutsu sorcerer, ends up saving him, giving him two choices like, hey, you could either die now or you could help us retrieve all 20 fingers of Sukuna and then we kill you. Uh, So, of course, he ends up choosing the option of helping them uh, retrieve the fingers. Uh, Some interesting stuff happens on later on. Uh, that really adds a twist to the story. Um, but if you've watched the anime, I definitely recommend checking out the manga. Um, I think that, though, I think it's really up to you um, because the action in the actual anime is a lot better than the action in the manga. Um, but I think if you're really invested in the story, check out the manga. Okay, I'm done talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. I talked about it for like 10 minutes straight. Yeah,
0: Jesus. I'm impressed
1: uh yeah i'd like to say about it
0: go ahead that's fine
1: uh so i'm done with that so the last thing i have and i don't have nearly as much to say about it because i've only watched like the first like four episodes no first six episodes of the series um it's another anime it's called your lie in april
0: your lie in april yes sorry i had to emphasize it because you said that very fast
1: yeah your lie in april it is a anime it's it's a music anime actually i recommend it to read he said he'd uh, considered watching it. Yeah, this, music anime
0: is like a whole thing. Like, that's a whole subgenre of anime. Yeah, kind of. I, I guess you've never heard you guys talk about.
1: Yeah, I think this is my first one, and I, I quite like it. I've I've heard that it's very sad um, at the end. Uh, it's not that sad right now. It's, so, anyways, it's about this guy who uh, was kind of forced to play b- piano. His mom pressured him to be the best piano player at a very young age. Um And, spoiler alert, once his mom passes away, um, he despises the piano and doesn't want to play it anymore, but he's still very good at it. Um, and he ends up meeting this girl violinist, um, who kind of, I guess, changes his fate in a way and brings him back to realizing, um, that, hey, maybe I can play the piano again and not correlate with that mom, with my mom, right? And have those bad connotations. Um, so... Yeah, that's what I am. That's what I'm at so far. It's a pretty good movie. Not movie. A movie show. show. Oh, it's on Netflix. Short. I think it's on like 26 episodes. So, how do you recommend it if you're into music or, you know, more calmer anime? It's, it's not action, it's music, right? So, I highly recommend checking out uh, Your Lion April.
0: You good? Yeah. Okay, so I'll make sure. He's a little jumpy, so I had to make sure.
1: So far, there hasn't been much lying. Well, place in April, well, it doesn't
0: take place in April. There's cool.
1: no lying.
0: Well, maybe, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe you know, the li- yeah, the lie revealed. Uh, all right, so I got three. Uh, I've got actually, weirdly enough, a movie and two shows.
1: Ooh, I know, right? That's
0: what I had. Yeah, David's on the floor. Uh, but all right, I've got three. So first one is a movie. So this movie is—it's funny cause it's coming right off of the uh, right off of talking about underappreciated movies, I'm talking about the a Best Picture winner. But I finally checked out the movie Unforgiven. It came out in 1992. It was directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, Clint Eastwood? Yeah. Uh, It's like, it's another one of his classic return to form westerns. And it's, okay, what I love about this movie is it's crazy different than most westerns. So essentially, the plot is it's about a cowboy, you know, like traditional, you know, cool, rudum tootum, kill everybody cowboy. He's retired. After a long career of crime and villainy, he's retired. He had a kid. He had kids with his wife. You know, he was chilling. He was great. His wife dies, and he's kind of living on his own. Well, this uh, eventually, this town, this little town that lives off far away from him, there ends up being this this uh, bounty put on these two guys, and this this new bounty hunter guy. Uh, he hears the legends of this retired uh, cowboy and says, "Hey, this guy is so good. He might be the key I need to help get these guys." So he goes to, you know, this retired cowboy and is like, hey, join me, help me hunt him down. Despite the fact that, you know, he's put this life behind him, you know, and he's like, he's obviously like, no, I got to take care of my kids. Eventually he wins him over and the, they, the two of them end up in, being ended up joined by Morgan Freeman, who's a friend of the retired cowboy. They go hunt down these two guys. What I love about this movie is, I know it's a little hard to explain the plot, but I love about Unforgiven is it is very anti-cowboy trope. Like, it, the movie, like, the, the main character, Clint Eastwood, who's this retired cowboy, legitimately is afraid of his past self. Like, he legitimately hates the man he was, and he feels his wife changed him for the better. But the entire movie, you have these characters talk, bringing up his past, being like, look how great you were, you know, look how amazing and, you know, really helpful you were. And, or not really helpful, but, like, really, like, you know, cool and amazing you were, how skilled and crazy murderous you were, you, were, you know, and they hype him up. And he just legitimately is afraid of himself. Like, he he hates that side of him. And I really like that aspect. And, like, every action scene is very morose and very, like, sad. Like, it's not nearly as cool as, you know, most Western action scenes are. But even going beyond just that character, I love the characters in this movie. Like, the writing is really great. Each character is kind of this moral gray area of, like, kind of good but kind of bad. They have very, like... It's very ambiguous, and I really like that aspect. I think the film does a really good job of kind of portraying characters who are kind of cruel, but have like a you know an actual redeemable side. It's unique, and they do a great job of balancing out a lot of characters. Uh, granted, it ends pretty it ends pretty much the way you expect. It's not super unique plot wise, but I think it's a really unique film that takes a really unique view on westerns in a way that I didn't really think about before. I really enjoy it uh and if you i fully endorse the theory that the main character in that is just the man with no name but grown up like the older version of him i do endorse that theory secondly i got my second suggestion it's another show or my first show uh i'm pretty much done with castlevania season four i suggested it early on as i was st- just started it and now i'm finished with it or uh, almost finished with it it is not as good as the third season uh, granted, I've not seen the finale yet, so the finale might save it. But essentially, what my biggest issue with the series, though I do enjoy fourth season, I think it was very solid, is third season had a lot of stuff going on, but they were building up to something. Like, there was clearly something they were building up to that was exciting and, you know, different. So you were anticipating it. It had a lot of, there was a lot of plots going on, but it all was building up something. And I thought they did a great job of hyping it up. Well, once now we've gotten to season four. Now we should be seeing what they were building up to. And the first five episodes really are just more building. There's not a lot of execution. You're just seeing a lot more building. And it gets stale. Like, not, not n- a lot of the stuff is not nearly as interesting as it was in the first season. Granted, I like... There's a couple stuff a little bit... Or there's a little more stuff I like more. Like, I actually like... Uh, alucard's side plot this season like i did not like it last season this season actually it's interesting also like the vampire ladies more this season than i did last season um but they it was still very slow not a lot of stuff happened and it kind of dragged and it it did not need to drag as much as it did i think they could have done a better job of managing that plot well once the second half the first half is over with and they start to kind of get more momentum things get more interesting but you're starting to realize that the stuff they were building up in the last season is not nearly as interesting now as it was last season now that they've kind of dragged it out more you're seeing some stuff kind of play out and it's just not nearly as satisfying like this the stuff is the stuff that happens is not nearly as unique as i hoped it would be so as a result a lot of stuff ends up finishing and i'm kind of just like okay great now we have less side plots to deal with because there were so many side plots uh, that being said, I think there's still a lot going for the series. I think the action's great. The animation's gorgeous. I like a lot of the characters. And I think the way they managed all of these side plots is admirable. That being said, I feel like it did kind of flop on the ending. I mean, granted, I haven't seen the full climax yet, the full finale. But I think it, it does kind of seem to be fumbling what was initially a really interesting and promising build up. But, you know, what series doesn't? You know, a lot of series fumble the build up. Um, David's just all the way on the other side of the room right now. He's barely listening to me. He's all the way on the other side of the room laying in front of the fireplace. I'm sitting here talking. I swear he's not listening. I am! Yeah, he's listening from all the way over there. Yeah, right. This is bullying. Anyways, I've got one last suggestion for you guys. If you know my suggestions, you'll know exactly what it is. Loki! Yes, Loki. The new Marvel series is great. Uh, It just started on Wednesday. But... It's really great. What I, I love this first episode. like I love that it's kind of just like a dissection of Loki of like why he's a villain. I think it's just a, a really interesting idea, and I love a lot of the emotional moments they get through that and a lot of the interesting dilemmas they bring up. And it's just really fun. Like I love the stupid TVA and I love like all the implications that it has on the MCU. I love seeing all the crazy stuff in the universe kind of simplified down to the TVA's level or to TVA kind of simplifying down the MCU um i love the you know the main timeline gimmick like i love the little clock the little 50s throwback it's just a really weird f- series and i like that it's committing to being weird it's not really like it, it's not really doing anything conventional it's doing it's doing some stuff fun um i'm obviously it's only episode one so i'm curious to see what they do with it the
1: Multiverse,
0: yeah right but i'm excited to see what multiverse stuff they imply like what stuff they confirm and i'm ser- curious to see what it does uh it, sh- it should be a really unique film or not film series it should be a really new series and i'm really on board with first with the first episode if anything i'm actually the most sold on this first episode than i was of the last two series first episode like this first episode is the most has been the best of the first episodes of all three of the series like falcon and winter soldier and wandavision i'm most satisfied with this first episode um uh, yeah really solid um, but that's all I've got, David. Um, David's all the way on the other side of the room, so you know, still not truly listening. But,
1: Coming.
0: ah Jesus, I'm offended. Well, any last thoughts to the people before we head out? Nope. Well, thank you so much again for listening. I uh, really appreciate your support. Uh, sorry for <clears> missing <throat> last week. Uh, we'll try to keep more consistent as we go on, but you know, time's gonna change. We're gonna have to, we'll change up our schedule soon. We can't keep doing a weekly thing, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Check out the gram, what's that smell underscore you thinking again for all updates and stuff. I was just on my friend's podcast last week. So uh, check out that episode if you want to hear my voice talk about the Before Trilogy, you know, the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. We talk about those movies on his podcast, a lot of fun. Uh, Film Brocast if you want to check it out right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll you'll learn more updates like that on the gram. You'll also learn if we miss an up, miss an upload like we did last week. Uh, But yeah, um, I've been Connor. This has been David. And thank you again for listening to the podcast that we entitle.
1: What's that smell?
0: You think it again?